David writes in the Psalms, I love the Lord, for he hears my voice. He heard my cry for mercy, and I will call on him as long as I live. It's wonderful to know that when we call out to the Lord, no matter where we are or when, he hears our voice. Uh, In your announcements, notice that uh, a week from Wednesday, uh, March the 9th, we're having uh, the staff invite you to join us uh, for a luncheon. And uh, we have a great time. We'll have 12, 15, 16 people join us every time we meet once a month. And we want to invite you to join us on March the 9th. It's not this Wednesday, but a week from Wednesday for our staff. It's at 1130 in the DFC. And then be sure to fill out your connection card. Drop it in the offering plate when you leave this morning. And I think we're going to, I think the weather's going to be good enough for the garden this Saturday. And uh, we'll probably meet about 9 o'clock in the garden, you think, Wayne? 839, something like that. If you want to join us, get your hands dirty, get out there and get something done. Wednesday, or Saturday, this coming Saturday in the garden. All right, I'm going to ask Steve to come and open us in a word of prayer. Good morning. Uh, and Dr. Lee, we decided just a minute ago to lock the doors as we begin the service. You're not going to be able to leave. Let's bow our heads. Good morning, Lord. We're thankful to be gathered here today, both online and here in person, Father, as little band of believers prepare our hearts and minds for your word, Father. Help us to learn something new about you today as we sing your praises and hear your word. Touch our lives, O Lord, sinners that we are. Forgive us, strengthen us, that we might become your children, your church, your saints. Make our lives be a temple for your Holy Spirit. This we ask in the name of the one that makes it all possible, your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Good morning. It's wonderful to be with you all this morning. Would you stand as we sing, rise up and praise him, followed by praise him, praise him. Oh, 
That last hymn was written by Fanny Crosby, uh, lived, a woman who lived in the 19th century, and she was, in fact, blind from just a few weeks after her birth. Uh, let's read these words, which will speak about some, uh, what happens with the blind when the, the Redeemer comes. Please read these words with me from Isaiah 35. Say to those with fearful hearts, Be strong, do not fear, your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. May God bless the reading of his word. As we go to the Lord in our prayers today, uh, let's remember Joan Williams' husband, Richard. He's home on hospice. And then also um, Joan Martinez as she's recovering at home. Uh, Edith Smith is at uh, Sunnyvale Hospital. So let's keep her in our prayers. Uh, Jack Hester is at Christian Care. Uh, B.J. Smith is home and uh, doing much better. Those in our senior living facilities are Flo Smith, Winana Anderson, Lorraine Bellringer, Tony Myrick, and Gail Washlager. And our homebound members are Dudley Perry, Cindy Bellmeyer, and Bill Guzzi. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to you today, we're thankful for your blessings as we lift our hearts in praise to you. Father, we are blessed. We are humble today. And we confess that we are like sheep who've gone astray. We've turned to our own ways. But in Christ we have hope. When Christ came, he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. He was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. He was chastened that we might have peace, and through his stripes we are healed. What a Savior. Father, we pray for those who need your healing touch. We have number a number of our family, church family, that need your touch that father we pray that you will reach down and uh, bring that healing that they need father we pray for those who serve in our military we pray for omar silva sean carnes colin graves abner mauricio tyler mccarty cogis joshua davis nathan hayes colby hayes devin guzman matilda prichette and jason maxey Father, we pray for all of our first responders. We pray for our police officers and firefighters and others who risk their lives every day. Help us to respect them and honor them and please protect them. Father, we pray for every mom and dad that's here today. Bless them. Help us, Father, as parents to love and lead our children. And Father, may our families be strong in your love. Father, show us how we can share the gospel with those who live in our community and to be a light in this world in which we live. 
And Father, we pray that you'll bring healing to those who are still battling the virus and bring an end to this pandemic. And we also want to lift up those who are in the Ukraine, especially our brothers and sisters in Christ, and the sorrow, the suffering they're going through. Father, you know their need, and we pray for their safety and protection as well. And, the, and we pray, Father, for peace. Father, we ask that you would help us, Father, to experience your goodness, rejoice in your grace, to remember your promises. And Father, today we pray that you will receive our worship. And we ask all of this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who taught his disciples to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. We've been so thankful for the months that Dr. Lee has been able to play the organ for us and be with us. She's going on now to a higher role at a bigger church, which she deserves. And I'm glad for her, sad for us, but glad for her. She has prepared an extended communion piece for you, so don't walk out. And an extraordinary postlude. So I hope you'll stick around for both of those. Let's sing our communion hymn, Change My Heart, O God. come to the Lord's table, we are reminded again that Christ has done all the work that is necessary to save us. The only thing he asks of us is that we have faith in him.
communion scripture today comes from the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. For by it men of old gained approval. Let us pray. Dear God, today we gather together as brothers and sisters in Christ to remember the extraordinary sacrifice you made in sending Jesus your beloved Son, to be with us. We thank you for his legacy in words, actions, and obedience to suffering on the cross. Lord, we come to you now to ask for forgiveness for any thoughts, words, or deeds that have not honored your name. We are truly sorry for the times we have chosen to live selfishly rather than heed your calling. We invite you to inhabit our hearts now as we take communion, as we share this meal, Combine us together as one family filled with your love. Thank you, Lord, for your grace that is at work in our lives. Amen. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes.
Amen. Thank you. I'm going to miss that quality of playing, aren't you? Yes. Let's sing together. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. All five stanzas. Would you like to stand for this one? Stand if you can. scriptures from Proverbs 3 verse 9 and 10 honor the Lord with your wealth with the first fruits of all your crops then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine let us pray Heavenly Father thank that thank you that you satisfy our every desire and need your word says that we should give honor to you with the first fruits of our wealth Accept our tithes and offerings as a gift to, of worship to you. Multiply what we give for the, to, for the effective growth of your kingdom. May Christ dwell in, dwell in our hearts through faith so that we, bring rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. May we be filled with all the, the of and fullness of God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark. And we're going to be in two places, actually. We'll be in chapter 7 and in chapter 8. Mark chapter 7, and it's page 713 in your Bible. And we'll move into 714 as well, but 713 for Mark chapter 7. And uh, we'll begin at verse number 31. 713 in the Pew Bible, if you'd like to follow along in the Pew Bible. Mark chapter 7, beginning at verse 31. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee into the region of the Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk. And they begged him to place his hand on the man. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven with a deep sigh, and he said, Ephatha, which means be opened. And at this, the man's ears were opened. His tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they talked about it. And so the people were overwhelmed with amazement. He's done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Now we're going to look at Mark chapter 8, and we're going to be at verses 22 to 26. Mark chapter 8, beginning at verse 22. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. And Jesus sent him home saying, Don't go into the village. Let's pray. Father, in these two miracles, we see some amazing truths that we need to grasp and to understand better. And Father, through that, I know we'll appreciate your grace and your love for us. Thank you for your word. Open it to our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, in January, it's pretty common. Most people have... We call those New Year resolutions. And uh, people want to improve their lives. They want to be a better person. And so they'll make resolutions. Things like, you know, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to volunteer more time at the, uh, at the food bank. Or I'm going to donate more money to the homeless shelter. Or uh, I'm going to start going to church. You know, kind of a thing. I need, you know, I need religion. Maybe religion will help me to be a good person or help me to improve my life a little bit. You know, religion, religion is something that we can really do on our own. I came across an article in the paper, it's been a while back, about a gentleman. He is actually an attorney with the Justice Department in Fort Worth. And in this article in the paper, he talks about the fact that Um, He does not believe in the virgin birth. He does not believe in the resurrection. He does not believe in any of the miracles of the Bible. But he loves going to church. And in fact, he he goes to an Episcopal church in Fort Worth. 
And here's what he says. He says, more skeptics like me should sign up and go to church. He says, he says I teach Sunday school. I'm in the vestry. I pay my pledge. This is my church. I belong here. He says, I love the incense, the stained glass, the organ music. There you go. The vestments and all that stuff. He says, it's the drama. It's the aesthetics. It's the ritual. It's, it's all that neat stuff. I don't want to give all that up just because I don't believe in Jesus. <laughs> religion, religion is something we can all do on our own power. But a relationship with God, uh, a personal relationship with God, a life-changing relationship with God is something we cannot do on our own. And that is because we have a problem. And it is a sin problem. And that sin problem, it has left us spiritually blind and it has left us spiritually deaf. And this morning we're going to meet two men. One is blind and one is deaf. And we're going to look at them together. And the reason we're looking at them together is because they do, they go together. Uh, the deaf man at the beginning is really, he is the, he's the introduction to the miracle of the feeding of the 4,000. And then the blind man we're going to meet in chapter 8, he's the conclusion to that miracle. And we're going to see how they connect here in just a minute. But these miracles are important because they help us to visualize our spiritual situation where we are spiritually blind and we are spiritually deaf to the Lord. Now as we look, and this is a serious problem, very serious, and we're going to see that as we work our way through these passages. And we're going to look at three things. We're going to look at three things, and they are that this perception problem that we have keeps us from knowing the Lord we're going to see that it keeps us from coming to the Lord that's even worse and then we're going to see that healing from this problem will come only from the Lord so let's take a look at this first of all first of all we have a perception problem and that is keeping us from knowing the Lord here we meet two men one blind, one deaf. And neither one of them can come to the Lord and know the Lord. They, they, they have a problem. And they need a miracle to solve that problem. And I put these two verses up here because I hope that you can see there, the parallel between these two, these two men. And there are key words found in both of these passages. Both the blind man and the deaf man. And those words are, some people brought... You find that in both of them. You find that both of them have friends who begged Jesus to heal them. And you find that uh, in both of those instances, Jesus touches those individuals. These two, these two verses really, in a lot of ways, are almost identical, especially in the Greek text. The only difference really is really one you have deaf and one you have blind. In fact, I put together a chart, and I wanted you to see this. In fact, you saw it last week when we were together, that you have the two miracles, 
on each side of the one in the middle, which is the feeding of the 4,000. But the key phrase in all of this, this whole section, is when Jesus asked the disciples, do you have eyes and don't see, right? And do you have ears and fail to hear? When the disciples look at these two men, one blind and one deaf, when they look at these two men, they are looking in the mirror. They are looking at themselves. The disciples are blind to who Jesus is. And they are deaf to the gospel that he has been preaching. And this, by the way, we are at a, we are at a very significant moment in the gospel of Mark. We are now coming up at the halfway point of this gospel. And through the first half of the gospel of Mark, there's been one question that is being raised again and again. And that question is, who is Jesus of Nazareth? Remember back a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the time when the uh, disciples were in the boat and they're in the storm. And they wake Jesus up. Jesus rebukes the wind. He calms the waves. And at the end of that, the disciples are amazed and they ask one another, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? That's been the question through the first half of the book. And we're just about to get to the answer of this. We're almost there. But the disciples have a perception problem. They still don't understand who Jesus is. But it's not just the disciples. The Pharisees also are in that same camp. They don't understand. They don't understand the magnitude of who Jesus is. But it's not just the disciples and the Pharisees. That, that problem is much deeper than that. It's much broader than that. The bottom line is all of us have a perception problem when it comes to Jesus. It is universal. It is that pervasive. You know, Paul, in the book of 2 Corinthians, he puts it this way. He says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the, the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Lost people are blind because Satan is blinding them. He is keeping them from seeing who Jesus really is. You know, think of it this way. Um, let's suppose you have a friend, and um, he, has a, he has a drinking problem. But it's not just a drinking problem. His problem is he tends to drive after he drinks. And you tell him about, listen, listen, that's dangerous. You can hurt yourself, you can hurt others. And you warn him, and you warn him, and you warn him. And he hears you, but he keeps on doing it. Because he's not listening. He sees the danger, but you know what? He really doesn't see the danger. And that's what happens to a lot of people. You know, some people, even, they will even come to church. And, and they will hear the hymns that are being sung. They will hear the prayers. They'll hear the scripture as it's being read. And they'll hear all that, but yet they don't hear it. And they, they will see the cross. But they really don't see the cross. They see the bread and the cup, but they really don't see it. In that they don't, it, it doesn't register with them. They don't really understand what it's really all about. 
And by the way, that should remind us as believers, we do need to be patient with lost people. Because Satan has blinded them. They don't see. They've yet to come, they've yet to have their eyes open to who Jesus is. You know what they really need? They need someone to bring them to Jesus. And that's what we want to look at second. Second of all, the second thing we want to look at, not only does our perception keep us from knowing Jesus because we're blind and deaf to him, but it can even keep us from coming to him. I want you to notice that both men need help getting to Jesus. The blind man, obviously. How can a blind man find Jesus? Somebody takes him by the hand and leads him to the Lord. And the same thing with the man who's deaf. Somebody has to let him know there is Jesus in town and they bring him to the Lord. And that's what we have taking place. We have a a community of people who care about these two men and they take them by the hand and they bring them to the Lord. And we know they're friends, not only because they, they bring these men to the Lord, they're friends because they, they speak for the man. These men, they never say a word. It is their friends, as it says here, they, their friends beg Jesus, would you please touch and heal our friend? And by the way, isn't that how all of us came to know the Lord? Didn't somebody, somebody cared enough that they, maybe they invited us to church and we heard the gospel. Or maybe, I know, I have friends that were years ago invited to a Billy Graham crusade and they got saved. Maybe somebody, maybe it was when you were young as a child and they paid your way to camp. And at summer camp, at church camp, You heard the gospel and were saved. Somebody had a role in bringing you to the Lord. Now for me, you know, I was raised in a Christian home. My parents were largely responsible for bringing me to the Lord in that sense. But I remember, I remember when I was eight years old. At that point, we we rarely went to church once in a while. And the church we went to wasn't worth going to anyway. (laughs) But... There was a janitor where my dad worked. And he was always inviting my dad, come to church, come to church, come to my church. We went. I remember going that first Sunday. And over the next couple of weeks, my parents got saved. And then I got saved. But somebody had to bring us to the Lord. And by the way, that, that's why we have, we have Beach Club. Where we, every Monday, we go to Range. Every Thursday, we go to Motley Elementary. We have, how many have it, have it Range? 60. And then we've got about 30 or so at, at Motley. So we've got about 90, 90 students. Elementary age students, 5th and 6th grade students, every week, who stay after school. And we teach them Bible stories. We are giving them Bibles. In fact, many of these students don't, have never had a Bible before. But we, we're, we're that friend, you might say. And you are that friend because it costs money to do this. This isn't free. The Bibles aren't free. The material isn't free. It costs money. And when you give, you are like their friend and you're helping them come to the Lord. That's what it's all about. You're like these men and women who care about their friends who are blind and deaf and they're going to make sure that they take him by the hand and bring him to the Lord 
That's where we all need to be. Now let's look at the third thing. Let's look at third. So first of all, we have a perception problem. It keeps us from knowing the Lord. It keeps us from coming to the Lord. Now that's a dilemma because the healing it takes to be healed of this comes only from the Lord. Let's take a look at this deaf man, all right? Mark tells us that Jesus takes the man aside. Now we don't know why. It doesn't tell us why. It just says that Jesus takes the man aside away from the crowd. I think, my opinion is, I think this man has probably always been kind of a a spectacle. People have always maybe stared at him. And I think Jesus is very sensitive to that. uh, Has a lot of compassion for the man. So Jesus takes the man in compassion and kindness and takes him to the side. And that's where the healing takes place. And Jesus, interesting... He puts his fingers in the man's ears. Then he spits on his fingers and puts them on the man's tongue. And then he looks up to heaven and says, be opened. Now that's different. (laughs) You know, I mean, how many miracles do you see like that? Jesus worked in a lot of different ways when it came to miracles. They were always different. But this one, I think, this one is probably the most different from any of them in what he does. Why does he do this? Why does he go through all of this motion to heal this man? I don't think it's because Jesus needed to go through all this. I think it's for the man. When Jesus puts his finger in the man's ear, I think think the Lord is communicating to the man in sign language in that he says, you, you can't hear. And then he touches the man's tongue and says, you can't speak. And then he says, let's look up to God and ask God for healing. And I think that's what the man, what Jesus was doing. It was the Lord's way of showing compassion. And when the Lord looks to heaven, he sighs. I I think the Lord is really beginning to really identify with the man and sort of absorb some of the suffering that this man has experienced over the years. And then it says in verse 35, at this the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. He was healed. Now, let's look at the blind or at the blind man. In blind man in chapter seven or chapter eight. Notice again, Jesus separates them. He took the blind man by the hand, led him outside the village, just like the last man, identical. Takes him away from the crowd, and then And again, I think it's because the Lord has compassion on these men. Perhaps wanting to get them away from the crowd that always want to see what's going on. And then, again, does something really unusual. Jesus spits on the man's eyes. And then touches him. And then Jesus asks him, do you see anything? Now this is where it really gets interesting. (laughs) Yeah. The man says, um, yes, I see people, but they look like trees walking around. Now, this man had had vision at one time, but he lost it somehow through an accident or something, but he lost it, and Jesus is restoring it. But the man says, yeah, I can see, but it's blurry, very blurry, I think is the point here. And so, you know, Jesus has to touch him again, and I'll try to clarify that here in a little bit. 
By the way, what, what if this man, what if this man would have said, yeah, I see just fine, no problem. Things would have been a lot different for the guy, wouldn't it? Think about that. I mean, it's a good thing the man said, yeah, um, I can't see very well, it's very blurry. I mean, he would have gone through the, re- he would have gone through the rest of his life talking to trees, I guess, you know? <laughs> so, so, what is, they, they would have said, what's that guy over there doing talking to that tree? Is he a tree hugger or something? They said, no, no, he thinks he's talking to his neighbor. And he, he's always complaining because his never, neighbor never talks back, you know. But think about this. This man says, no, I still can't see. Not clearly. And so Jesus has to touch him a second time. Why, why, does, why does it take two touches? Did Jesus not have his Wheaties or something that morning? I mean, does he not have the strength? Is he losing power? Is he getting older and doesn't have quite the touch that he used to have? This is all intentional. God designed it this way, and we'll talk about that here in a minute. But this is a miracle. In fact, both of these miracles, the blind man, the deaf, this is a, these are miracles of compassion. It is a miracle of God's love for these men. But it's more than that. These miracles are revealing some very important truths for us. And that truth really comes down to this. It is God who opens the eyes and the ears of people who are blind and deaf. Not just physically. We're not talking just physically here. We're talking spiritually. It is God who opens the eyes of us who are spiritually blind and spiritually deaf. You see, the disciples, they, they're really, they're blind to the magnitude of who Jesus is. They still don't understand who he is. And they're deaf to the gospel that he has been preaching all of this time. But I want you to, let's take a look at, hopefully you got your Bibles. I didn't put this on the PowerPoint, but I want you to look at chapter 8. Verse number 27. Look at chapter 8, verse 27. Jesus and his disciples went into the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, Who do people say that I am? And they replied, Well, some say you're John the Baptist. Others say you're Elijah. Others say you're one of the prophets. All right. So, do these people understand who Jesus is? No. No. They're still blind to who Jesus, the magnitude of who he really is. But then Jesus asked Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter answers, you are the Christ. Wow. There it is. See, this is, this is an epic and historic confession. Peter, finally, you know, the eyes are beginning to open up. Peter says, you are the Christ. Now think about this. Peter looks at Jesus. Jesus, the carpenter from Nazareth, born in a stable, just a common looking man. Peter looks at Jesus and he says, you are the Christ. You know, everything, everything has been building to this very moment. This is a giant advancement for the disciples to make this confession. We get it. You are the Christ. And this, this statement here, this is the foundation to our Christian faith. 
This is the central theme, the central uh, confession of our Christian faith. That Jesus of Nazareth is the Christ. That he is our Savior. That he is our Lord. And anything less than that is not Christianity. Now, when you look at Matthew's gospel, Matthew adds a little more information for us. Matthew tells us that Jesus says something to Peter. Well, by the way, Matthew tells us that Peter goes on to say, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Matthew also adds this. Jesus says to Peter, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by a man, but by my Father in heaven. Did you get that? Do you understand the magnitude of that? This, that you know me now for who I really am. You have come to understand the magnitude of who I am. I am the Christ. And how did you come to know that? The Father in heaven revealed that to you. Now Matthew in his gospel, he's stating it right up front. Clear and plain. Christ, Jesus is the Christ. And it was the Father in heaven who made that known to Peter and the disciples. Now Mark in his gospel, he's making the same statement, but he's doing it with the, the two men. That their eyes and their ears have been opened. And so Peter's understanding and the disciples' understanding of Jesus came from the Heavenly Father. And you know, this, this is the difference right here. This is the difference. This is the difference between Jesus and every other religious leader. It takes... It does not take any divine intervention to believe in Muhammad or Buddha or Confucius or any other religious leader. That, that takes no divine intervention at all. It takes no divine intervention at all to, to, to be in any other religion. But it does take divine intervention to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. That comes only from God himself. It takes divine intervention to open our eyes that we can see the magnitude of who Jesus really is. It takes divine intervention to open our ears to hear the voice of the Lord calling us to salvation. It takes divine intervention for us to believe upon Jesus Christ as our Savior. This comes not from man, but from the Heavenly Father. You know, you can join a religion. It takes, we can do that in our own power. But it takes divine intervention to become a follower of Jesus Christ. And you know what? The only thing standing between you and that divine intervention, the only thing standing between you and that divine intervention of opening eyes and opening ears, the only thing standing in that way, in your way, is you asking the Lord to open your eyes to who Jesus is and opening your ears to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing. The only thing. You know, I was came across a, a book a while back. 
It's, uh, it's kind of like a biography of Steve McQueen. Now, Steve McQueen, he was, he was the definition of cool back in the day, right? I mean, that man lived life hard. He, he lived in the fast lane, both on the screen and off the screen. He was into to alcohol and, and drugs and women, fast cars, motorcycles. He, he, lived, he lived a fast life. But as he got older... He was getting close to 50. And he decided he needed another thrill. So he bought a plane. And he hired a man by the name of Sammy Mason to teach him how to fly it. But as Sammy Mason was teaching him, he was a flight instructor, how to fly this incredible plane. McQueen just said, there's something different about this guy. And so they got into a conversation one day. And that's when Mason, Sammy Mason, began to tell Steve McQueen about his faith in Jesus Christ. And the difference, how Jesus has turned his life around and made a difference in his life. And that Jesus truly brought into him a a new life that he'd never had before. And Steve McQueen was very interested. And Sammy Mason invited Steve, why don't you come to church with me some Sunday? And he did. And he got saved. Four weeks, I think about four weeks after that, Steve McQueen, 50, now 50 years old, was diagnosed with mesothelioma, which is a cancer from uh, asbestos. And doctors said, you have maybe four weeks to live. So he went to Mexico, tried to get some treatment down there. But he began to have some anxiety. Am I... Did God re- would God really forgive me of my sins? Would God really, cleanse- of all the things I've done in my life, would God really forgive me? And so he, he had an opportunity to meet with Billy Graham. And he sat down with Billy Graham, and Billy Graham took his Bible, opened it up, and showed him verses about how Christ washes away our sins, every one of them. And Steve McQueen says that he felt like his eyes were really beginning to open to understand what Jesus had done for him. And Billy Graham, and I think my understanding is that Steve McQueen was so wrapped up in that Bible because it was kind of marked, you know, where the verses were. And Billy Graham says, you know what? Why don't you just take my Bible with you? You can have it. He took it with him. And I believe it was just a few weeks later, maybe you know what, it was like four days later, Steve McQueen, his son, found him dead in bed with that Billy Graham Bible on his, on his chest. You know, Jesus opens our eyes. And you know, one thing you could say about Steve McQueen, it was a friend who brought him, but it was God who opened his eyes and saved him. And I think that's really what I want all of us to take home with us. Think about it. Here's what we want to take home. We come to Jesus with the help of friends. And also by the grace of God. We come to Jesus with the help of friends and with the grace of God. Now, one more thing. I want to make this point before we wrap up. It is interesting that, you know, it takes Jesus two touches to heal this man, right? No other miracle did it take Jesus two touches to bring full and complete healing. Kind of reminds me of the Hubble telescope. You know, remember they sent that thing up in the air, you know, was it 1990? And they get it up there all excited about 
the big pictures of their coming back. And when they came back, you know, they were, they were all blurry and they couldn't read them. They had to send astronauts up there to put glasses on the thing, uh, something like that. And it kind of reminds me of that because Jesus has to touch the man a second time. You see, what's happening here is the disciples are beginning to see who Jesus is. You're the Christ. You're the Son of God. We see that. But they still don't see clearly. Let me read to you what goes on in the next couple of verses in chapter 8, verse 31. And we're going to cover this next week. I'm just kind of getting ahead a little bit. But chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must rise again. So Jesus is teaching them, I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to rise from the grave. He spoke plainly about this. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. They're beginning to see who Jesus is. They understand that, but they, you know what? It's still a little blurry. It's still a little blurry as to why Jesus has come. They still think he's come to set up a big kingdom. They still want to sit on his right and left hand. And when they look at that man that Jesus just touched with his hand and healed him, sort of, gave him a vision, but it was a little blurry. That's the disciples. They're beginning to see who Jesus is, but they have yet to really grasp why he's come. They have much to learn. And so do we. You know, I, I think one of the challenges of this passage is we are, we're like the disciples. We, we see some things clearly, but we're still blurry about other things. We still need to grow. We still need to learn. We have much to learn. But most importantly, if your eyes have yet to have been opened by the Lord Jesus Christ to see who Jesus really is, your Savior, the one who died on that cross for your sins, if you've yet to come to that place, ask the Lord. Lord, I need you to open my eyes that I can see and open my ears to hear the gospel that I might come to believe. Because following Christ, coming to know him, is a gift from God. Asking for it. And he'll give it to you. He'll give it to anybody who asks. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for the example of these men and their friends who brought them to Jesus. And Father, we're, our prayer is that if there's someone here today who has yet to, their, their eyes are still blind and ears deaf to the gospel, open them today. And I pray that they will ask to be open to hear the gospel and seek Christ for who he is. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand and sing together two stanzas, white as in snow. Break down and
If you'd like to speak with an elder or myself, I'll be right up front here after the service. Uh, feel free to come up and be glad to talk or pray with you. And uh, don't forget, I think Dr. Lee is going to give us a good send-off today at the end of our service. So hang around for a few minutes for that. Let's pray. Father, we are blessed that you love us. That you've come to, really to deliver us from our blindness and our deafness spiritually. That you you cared enough to go to a cross and experience the darkness of the cross that we might see and the silence of the cross that we might hear your glorious salvation. Thank you, Father. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and bring you peace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. heart to him I give, ever to him I'll cling, in his blessed presence live, ever his praises sing, love so mighty and so true, merits my soul best songs, faithful loving service to him be long, love lifting me, love lifting me, when nothing else could help.